today on The Breakdown. In the 1800s, there were gunfights. The cowboy would walk into a saloon, size up the men at the bar, and challenge one of them. Who was the fastest gun? Who would kill? Who would die? Today, we don't, we don't have that so much. But we sometimes have sort of poker showdowns, and there's a similarity there, I guess. There's a little bit of ego involved, at least machismo. Although, obviously, women can play poker, too. We are being inclusive here. Any hoots, what am I talking about? Well, Dan Cates is that gunfighter. He's sitting in that saloon. He's waiting for the new fastest gun to walk in that door, to push open those, those saloon doors and wink at a bar maiden. <laughs> Maybe fire some bullets at each other. Antonio Fondiari, he's the new fastest gun in town. He's going to face off against Daniel Cates. They're going to have an old-fashioned Wild West shootout. Only Grant, they're not firing bullets. They're firing chips, Grant. <laughs> All right. This is actually a pretty interesting hand, though. It's a 100K buy-in. It is Jungle Man versus Antonio. And we're going to get to it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Wow, full minute and a half opening. Congratulations. <laughs> I got a little lost in that at one point. I got to say, it could have gone on for yeah. much longer. I felt like you were going to start writing a screenplay just <laughs> mid-sentence. Just like, you know what? This is good. I'm going to I'm gonna roll with this. You know? like uh, Th- There were a few problems day. with that one, I got to say. Uh, one of the ones, and this distracted me a little bit as I was going, it may have contributed to the length, is I was talking about... Antonio being the new fastest gun and Daniel Cates being like the guy who's like already the fastest gun. Wouldn't it be the other yeah, way around? I know. That, that was that was wrong. Yeah, that was wrong. That was definitely a mistake. All right, but here's here's the screenplay. Yeah, interior, interior day. Air quotes. Jungle man unquote sits at the bar of an old timey Wild West saloon. He takes a sip of his bourbon. He looks haggard. Maybe it's his ninth. Maybe it's his tenth. Time passes. He stares at the door waiting. Bang, door opens. Antonio Esfandiari, colon. Who here wants to shoot at me while I shoot at them? Jungle Man, colon. I am the one to do that. That's the beginning of the screenplay. I think hmm. we can sell that as, as a treatment. It's weird to me that you gave Jungle Man the nickname Jungle Man, but you didn't mention the magician for Antonio, which is a better nickname. Especially for a Wild Nobody West knows, situation. No, you, have to, you have to take into account the audience's involvement in this situation. They know Jungle Man. He's uh, like their guy. Uh, they, they don't know Antonio yet. They'll later refer to him as the magician once he becomes a bigger part of the story. Now he's just being introduced to the story. You got it. Okay. So there's, someone's going to be like, who is that glassed man? And someone's like, that's the magician. That's the magician. <laughs> like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that sounds about right. Antonio should be expected. Antonio's had a pretty good thing. He used to do like kids' birthday parties. Like seven kids are there, and the mom pays him like fifteen dollars. And now, you know, he's won the second biggest prize in the history of poker, I guess. Right? Brink Kenny won the biggest when he won that tournament. Is that true? Was that bigger than Antonio? Oh, I guess that is. I think that is true. Or there was another one of those Triton Super High Rollers that another guy who we did—I don't even remember his name—but we did a breakdown on him in a cash game later, and we're like, this guy can't be good. But he won more money than Bryn Kenny. Really? I think. Um, anyway, there's a few of those, yeah, where people win a lot. So Antonio's at, you know, number one, number two, number three for at least the greatest single cash ever. Of course, he didn't have all of himself or anything close to it. Um, these guys never do. So whatever. Well, didn't Bryn? Didn't Bryn have all of himself? I don't believe he had all of himself. I think he spent a solid chunk of his, I think he spent a third of his net worth buying himself in, but I don't think he had all of himself. I don't actually know the answer to that, but that's, that's my strong suspicion. Antonio, by the way, I just saw this today, was not going to play the original one drop. It never really occurred to him that he would play a million-dollar buy-in. Wasn't going to do it. A friend of his said to him, he was supposed to do the final tale of commentary, actually. A friend of him, a friend of his said, hey, I want to buy 20%. And Antonio could not believe that someone would be willing to buy $200,000 worth of his action. And Antonio's like, I guess I'll see if other people want to buy. And within like two hours, he was 
completely sold out. Actually, had to go back to one of his friends and and ask them to spy, sell a little bit back to Antonio because Antonio wanted to have enough of himself that it was worth doing it. So hmm. he was really surprised, and then it worked out really well for all those people. It's all a little mishmashy to me, the whole history of poker thing, but like, did that actually vault Antonio to being more famous or was he already like at basically peak poker fame? Like, or did that really solidify him being like one of the main guys? Oh, that definitely took him up a notch or two for sure. He was definitely among like, you know, high stakes poker, reg type guy, fun, Phil Locke's friend, you know, better than Phil Locke for sure kind of a guy. But this was like a different thing entirely for him, for sure. Okay. And, you know, and it's it's one of those things that, much like maybe for Chris Moneymaker, um, will always, like, stick with him. Like, I think because he was the first one to win this this level of prize. I don't think anyone's going to... Like, we're always going to remember that about him. You know what I mean? Which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's easier to remember than the other guys who have won similar amounts because it was the first one. And I guess the World Series did a good job promoting it. It was a big deal in the poker world. Yeah. it's like... The Triton ones are a big deal among the poker nerds of the world, but like the world at large doesn't really know anything about that. That is for sure. Um, I think the next like known thing like that is going to be when someone wins a $50 million first place prize, that'll sort of like bust things open a little bit and everyone will know who that person is too. You know, if that, yeah, are- that, that would require either a very big million dollar tournament or like a two and a half million dollar buy-in or something like that. I think it's the two and a half million dollar buy-in or $5 million buy-in tournament is what we're talking about. And I think that probably will happen at some point because those people are just there's there's enough billionaires in the world who want to either play or back the pros that, you know, once we hit that million dollar number and it wasn't so special, I think it's easier to hit. So if we actually get a five million dollar tournament, how do you envision it would look like? Would it be like the sweetest spot in the world for any pro that could get staked into it because it's going to be like 90 percent businessmen just because like five million is a huge ask or is it going to be laden with pros who are just backed by all the same people? It's going to be laden with pros unless they have specific rules like they've done before against allowing the pros in. Um, yeah. Or there's only a certain amount of pros or it's invitation only or something like that. But I think for a $5 million buy-in, invitation only, like you just want to get enough people. You're not really worried about the other side of it. It would be my guess. You know? Yeah. So you probably let whoever wants to play, play. I would guess it's not a good spot. It's a good spot maybe if you're David Peters anyway because like... People like Bill Klein and Bill Perkins are probably going to play. At least some people like that. Some of the Macau boys are going to play. And you know you've got a big edge over those guys, even if they're not as bad as they used to be. Like, they're still nowhere near yeah. you and your, your ilk. But the level of dead money isn't that great, you know? And that's got to be a part of it, big part of it. And Tony was even saying, actually, about the one-drop table uh, or playing in the one-drop that first time was that, one of the big attractions for him was that it was a lot of whales and that playing with a table full of wizards isn't fun and isn't really a great idea, you know? And, but because there were going to be all these other guys, it was, it made him much more open to it. I mean, obviously Hmm. I guess the main event somehow just hits the middle perfectly. Like there's never going to be a better dead money situation than the world series of poker main event. Right. Even though it's a lot cheaper buy-in than like 5 million or whatever we're talking about, there's, there's no way, that there's a better situation dead money wise than the main event. Because even the, like you said, even the, the really rich guys who play the super high buy-ins, those guys are trying and they're studying and they want to be good. And in some cases they're hopeless, but they're a lot less hopeless than a lot of the main event people who play oh, the yeah. main event. That's for sure. Also, a lot of these guys have financial backgrounds, you know, they, they understand at least like, not all of them, but mo- except like the occasional Bill, early Bill Perkins type player, right? They understand that they can put pressure, financial pressure on these guys, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. They can do, th- often they can do the math pretty easily because they're like, have that, that level. Like Dan Shack, I'm sure, can do all the math. Maybe not like the, all the like high quality combinatorics, but I'm sure you could say to him, here's how many outs you have. You know, like, what does that mean? You know, he can derive all that yeah. stuff, I'm sure, right away. And, know, and, has, and has been able to do that for a very long time, not just, like, recently, you know. Like, I'm sure all those guys can do that. Even, like, the Rick Solomons of the world, I would guess, can do stuff like that, even if Rick Solomon can't necessarily read a situation well, you know, or as well as, Rick like, you Solomon, would need to. Rick Solomon made some pretty bad decisions in that second one drop. We're really just <laughs> thinking about that one, th- that one hand, right? Yeah. Which we made a chapter about but in there our was, book. I think there was, was another so hand that we... I think there was another hand we actually did with him from that that was also pretty bad. Yeah. Not as bad as that one against Vogel saying, where it's just like, that was the definition of a hopeless play. That yep. was completely hopeless. Yep, shockingly bad. 
shop, shockingly amateur versus pro type spot, you know? Where it's like no pro would ever, ever, ever be in the situation you just put yourself in. Yeah. Anyway, let's see what situation we get in with these two pros. Okay. This Fondiari and Jungle Man. This was suggested by Mung Juice. Mung Juice has been doing a good job recently suggesting hands. And the Mung one suggested it on Twitter. We are the poker guys on Twitter at the number two poker guys. That is where you must suggest hands if you want the best chance of getting your hand broken down. Include a YouTube link and timestamp it. Or yep. a poker go link or whatever medium it's on. YouTube's the best because we can actually sometimes make videos of those. Of Indeed. which we were we are doing with this one. Indeed. So this comes from the now defunct WPT Alpha Eight High Roller series. I guess that was a while ago now that that stopped happening. It just yeah. feels more recent than it that it was. Maybe like 2016 or something. They kind of gave up on that. Maybe even earlier. It's been a while, man. Yeah. I was so excited when it happened too. I was like, "Wow, 100k buy-ins! This is awesome." You know. And then yeah, they made two seasons, but some of some of the Tournaments were so poorly attended, they had, like, one table only. You know, like, six players would play in it or something like that. Yeah, they made a lot of mistakes with the Alpha 8. Probably not not as much as, like, the Epic Poker Tour or whatever, but right, they, made, they made some mistakes. <laughs> like, um, like, the one that we're doing is from Johannesburg, where I don't think there's that much poker being played in general. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but, like, are they really attracting a ton of people, a ton of top people and billionaires to go to Johannesburg to play 100K? I don't know if they are. Seems hard uh, to and imagine. In the case of this tournament, it seems that they didn't. They only had nine or ten players for this thing. Hmm. And uh, they chose Olivier Bousquet as the color commentator, who is analytically great. Like, definitely a poker genius and knows what he's talking about. But they didn't really vet his commentary style too much, I don't think. Because, man, that guy, he does not have any intonation in his voice. He kind of I mean, just drones. Deciding to critique the WPT for choosing Olivier for their commentator is like, I feel like you're, you're seeing the hill and missing the mountain, right? Vince Van Patten has been a WPT commentator for like a a decade and a half. I mean, I know I'm not saying, I'm not saying that this is an anomaly in the WPT history. Yeah. I'm saying I'm trying to figure out why this cool concept failed. Got it. Like get all these pros, get this cool sounding name, alpha eight. They probably focus tested that. I like it. I think, uh, I think their idea was, let's get this high-level guy who actually understands what these guys are thinking, mm-hmm. but they didn't take into factor into account the entertainment factor because Busquets does not bring that, despite bringing excellent analysis. You yeah, know, I th- They hadn't found the Nick Shulman yet, right? Nick oh. Shulman's really that, that guy. Or really the Tony Dunst, who is also that yeah. guy, and they actually did use him as color for season two. I think they switched it up, and it was him and Ali for season two entirely. Ah, okay. Uh, which was a good decision and ultimately, I think, helped Tony to get the WPT commentating job after Mike Sexton retired from it. He has since passed away, I believe. Yes. Um, which is really too bad. Just pretty recently, too. But, um, but yeah, Tony Dunst. I mean, what, do you, what do you mean, I believe? That's like major poker news. I know. I'm you just know. trying to make... There's so much happening in the world. Like, I just wanted to make sure I didn't declare it and make sure... I wanted to make sure I was right. So I was like, didn't want to say... Make too. sure you didn't like dream that or something? Yeah, there's like... Yeah, no, it that. feels like... I woke up today. We have to get to the hand. But I woke up today and I started looking through the news and I was like, oh my God, nothing completely horrible has happened yet. Like on the whole day, you know, it's only... I'm, I'm, it's <laughs> the morning, but I'm on the West Coast. So it's been a few hours for the rest of the world. And uh, like almost always, by the time I'm awake scrolling through my Google news feed or whatever, like, or Twitter... It's like, you know, it's, it's some new version of the end of the world has happened. You know, some new horrible, horrible, crazy thing is happening or shocking thing or whatever. And like today there was none of that. But it happens so often now. The news trap, like everything feels like a million years ago, you know? Yeah, so that's true. So, yeah, no, I, I'm a little lost in it all. It's true. I, I was like 90% sure Mike Sexton had passed away, but I didn't want to say it like 100% just in case I was wrong. So I said it the way I did. You're right. On that subject, I think we should give a little credit where credit is due to Sexton as like a memoriam because okay. we had some fun with him over the years, you know, sure. imitating him and stuff like that, which was always fun and good, but it was always good spirited, as was he. And I think, uh, mm. at least from my perspective, no matter what you may think about his analysis during all the WPT stuff, he was great for poker and he really helped grow poker a lot. And he's maybe like one of the main reasons that we can do this as a job right now. So respect. that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I think Mike always had better analytical ability than he showed himself to have during the WPT. He was always very, very focused on keeping it digestible for the common man, you know, which yeah. I think for people like us made it less 
fun to watch or less engaging. But he certainly did a good job of that. I remember being the common man and first starting to watch it. And I loved watching WPTs as a result. And I think he was a big part of that. And I don't know anyone. I know, I know a fair amount of people who knew him. Not a single person I've ever heard ever say a disparaging word about that guy. Like sure. everybody yeah. liked Mike Sexton that I'm aware of. Uh, so it was the anti poker. What'd you say? The anti youth. Yeah. I mean, really, the poker world definitely had a real loss there. Yeah. So RIP, just wanted to... We, did, we were a little late on that, but yeah, yeah. I think we, we should acknowledge that at this point. Um, but hey, Vince is still around doing his Vince stuff, so there's that. Yep. But he's doing it with Tony Dunst, who's, who's doing a great job, I think. I'm a big fan. Yeah. For sure. Anyway, let's get to this hand. Cool. Uh, it is a 100K buy-in. There's nine players remaining. There might have just been nine to start, because I think first is 500K, right? First is 500, second is uh, 240. So there could have been eight players, and they took, or there could have been nine, and they took, uh, and third place was 100K. I don't know. I don't know if they paid back. Or actually, I don't think, I think this yeah. was rake free. So actually, it must have been three, and third place was 140. Yeah. These things were That's probably what happened. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're not anywhere near the money then. No. It's not a, not a factor. Jungle Man is under the gun. He's got 200,000-ish. Alpha 8, unfortunately, for all of its cool ideas, did not have stack sizes. We imagine <laughs> Jungleman had around 200K based on what we see in his chips, which are weird colors, too, um, at the 501K level, so 200 bigs. He makes it 2K with two nines, nine of hearts, nine of diamonds. I think he would probably have made it more if it were today. But at the time, min-raising was a thing that people did pretty much ubiquitously. Yep. Folds around to Antonio Fondiari on the button. He's got about 90K. So 90 bigs, the effective stack. He's got two aces, ace of spades, ace of hearts. I think this sizing would be a little different today, too. He makes it 5,300. Yeah. Um, this is something that, I mean, this is just a sign of the times. That this is what everybody did. Everybody took, there was the min raise to 2X and then the 3-bet to 5X in position. This is just what happened. Um, it was deeply ineffective consistently you never got a fold basically ever yeah. except people who didn't know what the hell they were doing at all um i watch as i as i've been pandemic living for all these months now i've watched a lot of old poker on youtube like a lot and a lot of kids are three betting to these sizes even as bluffs and it never works and like all the good players just always call and it's like why would you ever choose to three bet to this size i just don't get it um I don't blame Antonio for this. Everyone was doing it, but like you're 90 blinds deep. Of course you should make it more, but this just isn't the, this just wasn't the culture at that point. Let's uh, let's talk about the other decision Antonio has here, which is to call or to raise because Kate's did open under the gun at a full ring. Should Antonio consider calling instead of raising at this stack depth for deception? I don't think so. Um, I think he should be three betting this almost all the time. Uh, first, as you mentioned, Cates is under the gun. That's a good range to be targeting for sure. He's going to have very few folds anyway. Um, if even if we size it correctly here, like correctly meaning, I mean, I think it should be more than three x. Honestly, when you're this deep, I think like yeah, maybe seven k, seven k. You could go as high as eight, and I wouldn't really bat an eye, quite frankly. Um, but whatever that is, like Kate's, Kate's can fold hands. If you make it like 7K, Kate's can fold hands like King Jack off and King Queen off, um, Ace Jack off. He could fold hands like that. But he can't really fold most of his opening range here, right? He just can't. Because um, it's going to be pocket pairs, Ace Queen plus, and suited big Broadway. And he's going to call with, I think, all of that. So, Well, some listeners might be saying, but Antonio has aces. He wants him to call with all of that. Of course, but we're not talking about just this hand, right? We're talking about his range here. And so yeah. this is, this, we're going to size our whole range this way. And Antonio's the kind of guy who likes to three bet a lot anyway, has definitely a reputation for three betting with a fair amount of junky type hands. Anyway, he's got an ace and anything else. He's going to three bet a lot, especially in these bigger buy-in spots. He did it in the one drop actually back in the day, the one that he won, he was three betting ace five and ace three and things like that. Um, so even I more reason under the gun range. Um, I don't remember, but it was against early position opens, at least. I don't know if it was under the gun. Um, I feel like Antonio's going to have some bluffs here anyway. He's going to three bet a lot anyway. I think it's a pretty clear three bet spot. Also, you don't want to just let the big blind in, even the small blind in, because by just calling the super small raise, like they're so incentivized to come in. It's so cheap. Yeah, I agree with all that. 
It's just uh, you're going to have to have some bluffs that are uncomfortable for you if you're Antonio in this spot. And yeah. like you're saying, with the sizing, you're not getting the ace four suited through, right? Which kind of sucks. So, right. like, well, maybe it, we can have bluffs it's kind of that telegraphing. Are, we we could have different kinds of bluffs then. You know, we could actually have like ace jack off be a bluff here, or ace jack be a bluff. Where that way, when we're called, sometimes we're up. It's a coin flip, and we can hit our jack and be good. Versus ace four, where yeah. we're called, and like also we can have not that many bluffs. We can have maybe a little more value and, and not as much bluffs. But then aces, you know, we're gonna have to maybe fold some of our value anyway if we get four bet. But aces is obviously not one of those. Oh yeah, you sure? <laughs> I think we should not fold aces if we get four bet. That's that's my big strategic. Yeah. An adaptation to this 100k buy-in situation in the prize pool. Okay, that's good. That's why you you make the big bucks. That's right, why they so pay me. Antonio does make it 5200. I think I said 53, mm. and uh, goes back to Kate's, who ends up calling with two nines. This is the only decision he can make, right? Yeah, and and with this hand, of course, it doesn't really matter if Antonio makes it 8,000, like we're saying, or 5,000, or even 10,000. Like Kate's is calling. Uh, with yeah, nines. but he's always calling, right? Never folding and never four betting. Unless Antonio makes it really big, then he can fold. If Antonio makes it like 18,000, you can fold. But Antonio's but, never going to do that. And right. you're right. No, Cates is never, ever, ever doing anything but calling with nines in this spot at these stack depths. Especially when if, he... If Cates, if Cates had aces, do you think he should just call a lot of the time here? Because it's pretty transparent when you four bet in this spot at this depth. It gets weird because Antonio choosing to three bet the under the gun range means Antonio is going to be weighted towards stronger hands. True. And so we could decide to try and pick to try and get kings and queens in a terrible spot, an ace king in a terrible spot, rather than let them play for cheap and we're out of position. I think we should probably four bet aces, but maybe. But as a way to mitigate that, maybe call once in a while with them and call maybe a little more often with kings than we might otherwise um, as a way to also keep yeah. Antonio's range a little bit weaker. I think this is one of the toughest things to navigate in poker. Not, not the situation Kate's is in, of course, because he has nines and it's easy. But if Kate's had aces and you get three bet in this spot at these tack depths, not by a bad player, but by a good player who really knows what's going on, I think it's really tough to know what's the best way to maximize value with aces yeah i think against a bad player it's easy like you four bet and usually they aren't capable of folding jacks on like a board that's favorable to both of your hands and you get more money that way but antonio is too smart to just like give all his money away with jacks as an overpair when he gets four bet on in spots like this like and yeah. like maybe you maximize value more especially against aggressive good players by just calling and letting them barrel away i don't know like, yeah it's it's a tough thing to navigate I mean, the, the one problem with just calling, too, is like you're deep enough that you can only take such a big chunk out. If you get if you four bet and get called, you can get it all sometimes like and that should be, I think, your primary goal when you have a hand as good as aces. Also, you have a chance to get all in preflop sometimes. If Antonio is kings, you'd hate to let him off the hook here and have like an ace queen jack flop or something or just queen jack 10 or so, something that's going to queen jack nine. Something that's going to scare Antonio when he thinks about our range. Um, and not want to put a lot of chips in. I don't, think Antonio's ever five in betting. Hmm? I don't think Antonio's ever five betting without a chop, though, right? Oh, I don't know. I think Antonio might five bet with kings. Or, by the way, he doesn't have to five bet. Oh, king, kings he might just decide to go with. I've certainly seen him put in a big five bet with kings in, a, in really big spots. Um, but also just... But even the value of him just calling the four bet here is is really valuable. That's different, I know, because I was saying one of the strategic possibilities is trying to get all in with a worse hand. I don't know what Antonio's doing with hands like ace-king and kings and queens if we four-bet. I don't know. He may feel like ace-king is like a weird hand to call a four-bet with, and he wants to see all five cards, and he's got blockers, and I see some players... Dan Coleman would make that decision. We've seen him make that decision. You're making a face. They can't see it. Dan Coleman makes that decision all the time, and he's one of the biggest winners of all time. So I don't know. I I understand that. It just like feels fundamentally wrong to me to be willing to get 90 blinds in preflop with ace-king. How about kings? It feels like way, 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 way too much. How about kings? With kings, I don't... With kings, I don't love it against the the under-the-gun range of a good player. I really don't. Well, you have to believe that Jungleman has value that you're beating. You have to believe he has yeah. like jacks and queens and ace king and some of those hands he's not going to fold, right? Otherwise, it's yeah. a bad play. I, yeah. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I believe that. I don't know. What, I don't know what Jungle Man's doing with queens. Like if I if I were Jungle Maybe Man, f- I would just call with queens here and make, keep it easy. But I'm not Jungle right. Man. And so if you're Jungle Man, let's say you are Jungle Man and you make it 16k and Antonio moves in and you have queens, you really feel like you're calling. Well, here's the competing 
thoughts, right? It sucks to call because because it sucks because like we're we're in bad shape. Is Antonio really moving in with Jax? I don't believe he is. So it's like it's a flip. We're losing, or he's got like ace five and is losing his mind, which seems unlikely. Um, yeah. The other side of it that sucks, though, of course, is you shouldn't really be for betting queens to fold to a five bet shove. Like mostly, you should not to say you can't do it, but mostly you shouldn't be doing that, right? So I guess we would. I would probably. I mean. Like I said, I would just call the queens. I like being slightly underrepped and playing it that way personally, but um, but these guys did not always do that for sure, right? These guys would get into big preflop battles sometimes, and maybe earlier on in this tournament, like we're still very early, these guys might be a little bit more willing to gamble, take shots. It's a rebuy. You can always, you know, you can buy back in. Like someone for like. Yeah. Okay, but like these guys were absolutely doing things like that, you know. That was not yeah. wildly weird to them or strange. They're also they don't have all of themselves, you know. It's okay. Yeah. Um. So if you have kings, it may be one of the things you're like, let's go. Like I hope you have queens, and you're feeling like rebuy. You know, you've got some gamble in you, and you're like, let's do this. You can have ace king. It's early in the tournament, you know. This these things could be in play. I don't know if they are, but they could could be. be. Could be. I mean, all this kind of circles back to what I'm asking about. Like, yeah. should Kate's be flatting with aces a lot of the time? Because even if you're if you're questioning four betting queens, like you're saying, you basically never would. Right. Right. So, I wouldn't. Right. But I'm. But I'd be very be, scared in a 100k. Well, of course. But even in a <laughs> no, in a normal a, tournament, a $1,500 tournament where you open under the gun and the button three bets you and where this deep. 90 blinds effective. Yeah. If the button is a competent good player, yeah, I would just call with queens for sure. Like that's not a hand yeah. to go crazy with. Um, right. I agree with that completely. And in fact, that's what I do in those spots. And, you know, sometimes it sucks and often it's great. And, you know, everything in between. It's just anyway, now that we've talked about this is a significant, significant, significant favorite against a good player when you're deep. It's just hard. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. But you could, you could put in the four, you could put in a four bet, which really forces Antonio to call, but also creates a really favorable stack to pot ratio too. You know, you don't have to make it. You can, I mean, if you make it like, 13-5, it doesn't matter what he thinks you have. He's going to call almost always with his range there, right? He's going to feel forced to call. And now the stack to pot is great for you. And if he I mean, flops anything, he may feel obligated to stick around. Right. I mean, you're giving him good implied odds with hands that have that you don't want to give good implied odds with, and you're not being balanced at all unless right. you're doing that with ace four suited. This is why you can't, you can't really do this against good players, of course. Like, I'm saying yeah. all these things, but this isn't realistic. Of course, you have to... You have to size in a way that you can have bluffs too. Of course you do. So that means you have to go back to like what you're saying, make it like 16 or something, especially because we're going to be out of position. 16 is probably fine. Uh, but, you know, yeah. you could even go 18 or 19, whatever. But anyway, maybe we should get to the yeah. rest of the hand because we're already half an hour in and there's a lot yep. to talk about. Well, we talked about the Wild West Saloon for a while also. That was important. It's um, true. All right, so... Anyway, the real situation is not the Kate says Aces. Just wanted to explore that. <laughs> right. It was interesting. That's why this is a. That's why this podcast is the greatest, man. No, I like we it. Find too. all the angles. No, I mean we didn't. All I, the don't, rocks. I don't feel like we even came up with a good answer to that. Ultimately, like I think you should four bet. But also, when you have the nuts, it can't be that bad to put more chips in. But I, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. There's an obvious answer out there. I was more looking for an exploit than anything, but the obvious answer is like you find the ratio of times that you want to be four betting versus calling, and you use combos to do that of aces. So you, you want to just do it one sixth of the time you call, then you can pick which combo you want to just call with, you know? Right. But the whole point is the ratio. That's that, that's the question. Not like anything yeah. else. Right. I yeah. mean, that, that's what you're actually asking. You're not asking the other piece. Right. Not, not how do you, not how do you execute the ratio? What is the ratio? Yeah. Yeah. I think the I ratio think... should be like five out of six times. We're re-raising aces or something like that. Right. So you just have two black aces as your flatting hand or something. For right. That yeah. day. Right. But again, the question is about what's the actual, what is the number out of, how many out of six? Is it five and a half? We're re-raising. It depends on how often you want to be bluffing in that spot. But I mean, but yeah, it does. It does. It also depends, of course, on what we think about Antonio's three betting range and so on and so forth. But let's, please God, let's move on. <laughs> oh, don't pretend you're all exhausted and exasperated. I'm so tired. You're playing, you're playing up a part, a role, trying to be like, Grant's the guy who's holding you guys back from yeah, the hand. I am. And you know what? I think it's working. I think I'm succeeding, Grant. Okay. Well, let's get to the hand. Hey, look at that. I'm the guy who's getting us to the hand. So Cates does call because the real situation is he has two red nines and he's never forbetting that hand. It's like one of the hands he could not really consider that against a good player. Yeah. Antonio has ace of spades, ace of hearts. 
The pot is now 12,800. The flop is queen of spades, queen of diamonds, nine of spades. Bink, bonk, bonk. Pretty yeah, good pretty one good. for Kate's. All right, they both check. So I think Kate's check is obvious, right? Yeah. Like pretty much always checking. Maybe check raising, maybe check calling. You could really go either way against a good player on this board. What do you think about Antonio's check? Why is he doing it? Uh, I think he's trying to pot control. Um, he's aware of some game theory issues right now where, like, with with the pocket pairs, it's one thing, right? If, if Kate says pocket tens, you're going to get a call. But, like, if Kate says ace-jack, he's just going to fold anyway. Like, we could have him drawing almost dead here and almost never be getting called by the hands that are drawing almost dead, right? So, like... Yep. There's not a huge amount. And of course, in the times we're behind, we're way behind. It's terrible. <laughs> and we're going to be forced to pay off a lot, I think. So, so I, I understand the check for sure. I think there's another big factor here, and that's range advantage. I think Kate's has a clear range advantage on this board. Kate's should have nines full, whereas Antonio shouldn't have nines full that often. That's having fair. three bet the under the gun raiser. Kate's could have up to maybe even queen 10 suited. Whereas, yeah. like, down to maybe even queen-10 suited, king-queen off. Whereas Antonio probably just has ace-queen for queens, right? And quad-queens. Um, I, I don't know if Antonio has some bluffs that have more queens in them. He might have king-queen as a bluff there. He may have queen-10 as a bluff there. Queen-10 suited. But I'm going to guess not, though. Like, it seems unlikely against the under-the-gun range. Yeah, I think maybe that's fair. Does. And that goes back to your, him not having nines very often here either, right? Like, he's usually yeah. going to just call nines up on the button in that spot. I agree. Well, you're right. Kate certainly has all the combos. Maybe not the offsuit combos, but he probably didn't call those pre Like, queen-10 off is probably a muck pre-flop. But all the queen ten, all yeah. the suited queens are definitely getting called. And probably king-queen off has to call because of the price, right? Even queen-jack yeah. off may feel obligated to call. I think they do, actually, because of the price pre-flop. So, he might not open queen-jack off. It's possible he doesn't open that. Yeah, it's possible. That's fair. But also, like, and, all, and beyond that, Antonio may not even, and probably shouldn't have many combos of ace-queen himself. He's probably flatting ace-queen a fair amount of the time against the under-the-gun open when you're 90 blinds deep. That's great. Yeah, I think you're right. So Antonio has not too many queens here at all, is your point. That's, I that's think your, that's, the, that's the best point. best reason to check is that yeah. Kate just has a massive range advantage, and he could, t- he could use that to his advantage in a lot of ways. If Kate's had jack-10 suited, he could easily check-raise this board with impunity, and Antonio doesn't want to be in that spot. If Kate's had any spade draw, he could check-raise this board with impunity, and Antonio doesn't want to be in that spot. Yeah. Yeah, and Antonio having the ace of spades makes it a little easier to check here, too, I think, where you don't have to be so afraid of a spade yeah. coming um, and making it even harder for you. You know, like you can comfortably not fold when a spade comes because right. you have the ace of spades. I agree. I agree. And I think you'll agree when, when I say nitrogen sports is the place to party. Am I right, Levy? I, I do agree. You party with your friends. There's drinks, oh, yeah? and there's people, and there's music, and there's dancing, and there's poker. Asterisk, you must bring everything of that yourself except for the poker. Yeah. There is poker, but all the other stuff, that's like BYO stuff. We're yeah. Not, we're not BYOM. That. BYOM? Be- bring your own music. Oh, okay. I can lay yeah, down a, a beat if you need me to, though. But no, that actually is not part of our deal with nitrogen. There's no beats to be laid. But I'm saying if the people who are bringing their own music could use a, a nice, funky beat, I'm there. I got so it. So this is like a pro bono offer. It has nothing to do with the nitrogen situation. Oh, no, no, no. It's not for free. I expect to get compensated for it for sure. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, this okay. is a money situation. This is business. I'm just doing business here. I'm doing like an ad within the ad. You know, there are like stories within stories and movies within movies. This is an ad within the ad. So this is the nitrogen ad. But inside the nitrogen ad, we have the little space I've carved for Jonathan's Beats. Go to jonathansbeats.com. I can lay down a funky beat for you. It's reasonable. We do take credit cards and crypto. Good. Good to know. Nitrogen also takes crypto. Actually, it takes Bitcoin only. It is a Bitcoin only poker site, Mm. which is good because you get your money out fast. 90 minute withdrawal times, Jonathan. Doesn't that make you happy? Doesn't that make you want to make a new fresh beat? (laughs) It does. I'm not going to because I'm not getting paid for it right now. And I only do it for money. But I um, I it does make me want to lay down a, a fresh beat for sure. Also making a fresh beat would be nice when you win the poker tournament 
that is every month. The Poker Guys tournament on Nitrogen, where we guarantee a thousand buy-ins. They cap it at three hundred players, meaning there's going to be at least a seven hundred buy-in overlay. You can only access that if you use the link in the description when you sign up for Nitrogen. It's worth it. You should do it. It's a good yeah. deal. Yeah, we got so many fresh beats at Jonathan's Beats. We're making borscht over here. That's our tagline. <laughs> If your beats are as good as your tagline, you can expect a lot. Yeah, yeah I know. This is, I'm going to be rich, baby. Also going to be rich from the sports betting and the casino games on Nitrogen Sports Poker and the poker. Yep. Use the link in the description <laughs> when you sign up. Let's get Please. back to the hand. Okay. Still 12,800 in the pot after both players checked the queen, queen, nine, two spade flop. Nine's yeah. full for Kate's Esfandiari with pocket aces. And what we think is a good check on the flop, right? We both like this yeah. check. Yeah, I like it. All right. Turns the deuce of diamonds, the nothingness of nothings. Cates could have made deuces full, but other than that, doesn't really affect anything. Cates is going to start betting. Seems reasonable, right? Might as well. Absolutely. About 6,500. You expect Antonio to have some checkbacks with hands like kings and aces because of all the reasons we said. Cates is probably uh, aware of that at this moment, right? So yeah. he's expecting to get called by those hands. Maybe fold out some ace kings, unfortunately, but maybe get called by ace kings. I would think Antonio's betting some of his air, some of his misses on the flop anyway, like some of his non-obvious showdownable hands he might bet to try and make his life easier. Not all of them, but some of them. Yeah. So I think Antonio's got a lot of calls on this on this turn. Yeah, I think he does. Um, don't expect him to have a spade draw very often. That feels no. like maybe the least likely type of hand that Antonio could have. Yeah. Agreed. But, but anyway, diamonds... Case bet six, diamonds... Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess there are two diamonds now. Antonio could have a diamond draw. So Cates does bet 6,500, about half pot. Antonio is boxed into calling, right? No other decision can be made. Yep. Seems super obvious. Yeah, I mean, just game theory disaster if you raise. Maybe you get called by slow-played kings, or maybe even sometimes jacks or tens if you raise. Maybe there's that advantage to raising, but it's not worth it because of all of the queen combos that Cates has and the nines full that he could have and does have. I mean, that range advantage we were talking about in the flop hasn't magically disappeared, right? Raising is no. mostly going to put us at a... We're, ra- we're, we're raising when we have a massive range disadvantage, and also our hand itself is not super strong. Seems like a bad idea. It's, it's reasonable. That's all our hand is right now, right? It's like pretty yeah. good. We, we might be ahead, we might be behind. Sounds like a perfect calling hand. That's what Antonio does. Pot is now 25,800. The river is the three of hearts. Never changes anything unless Kate's just made threes full, which I'm not even sure he's betting on the turn. He might not expect to get enough folds in the turn. Mm. Maybe he does. I don't know. Doesn't matter. We don't need to get into that. Here's an interesting thing. Kate's checks. Yeah. What do you think about that? What do you make of that? I think it's pretty interesting. So I, th- I think I get what's going on, but it's pretty cool. So he's checking because, um, one, it looks like maybe he's giving up a little bit here with his bluff potentially like his or yeah. it's like his me, diamonds he, he obviously has something right like in that like he called the he opened under the gun so he probably has a showdownable hand to some degree but not like a very strong showdownable hand a lot of the time but like he assumes he's losing his giving up number one number two like he could have nine he could have nine ten suited or something he could have I, jack ten suited he could have diamonds he could have spades that are not that showdownable sure he could he could but i think a lot of the time based on how antonio's playing this hand when we check like antonio has a lot of like pocket tens pocket jacks here Right? Like, also pocket aces, yeah. pocket kings. Um, yeah. Aces and kings, I think, are just going to have to call the river. And maybe tens and jacks will feel like they have to call too. But tens and jacks block jack 10, which isn't super great, and may decide to yeah. find a fold on a river if we bet yet again here. Um, aces and kings will just feel obligated to call. So, um, so I think this is designed to get money out of jacks and tens specifically, where you're worried that they may decide to fold because they block the most obvious bluff. Are you so sure that tens is going to bet? Tens would be betting to get value out of a nine, um, pocket eights, things like that, right? I guess. I mean, I mean, you if you call have, with if, a nine or pocket eights, if you have tens, what are you afraid of when case checks? Like, what do we think we're losing to besides the crazy check raise? Okay, admittedly, that's going to happen a little bit, but forgetting about that, like, what hands are going to check call that we're losing to if we have if we have pocket tens? Maybe jacks. Pocket jacks. Pocket jacks yeah. are probably going to bet for value a lot, though, right? Maybe kings. Also, those I hands mean, are like, going to bet for value. To get called by what? Whatever the fuck we have. Like pocket tens. How about pocket tens? 
get called. Pocket Kings is betting for value to get called by jacks and tens and maybe a, an ace nine suited, which Antonio absolutely could have based on how he played it. Um, so not much else, admittedly, besides stuff like that. Maybe a nine ten suited once in a while, but unlikely. Uh, like Kings can definitely get value there. I think. Uh, so as Kates, you want to bet Kings. As we're talking about as Kates. Yeah, as Kates. I think I'd bet yeah. Kings as Kates here. When it goes check, check, I think I'd, bet tw- I'd be planning on betting twice. Because what's the problem with betting Kings? Like, it's okay if Antonio has aces. If we check, he's going to bet anyway. Right? Like, we don't okay, have to worry about that. All right, that's all fair. It's all, it's all in the process of trying to get to the question of if Antonio would really bet tens for value if Kates checked. Right. Which I am certainly unconvinced of. I think Antonio would probably go for a little bit of value here. Antonio looks like he may have missed diamonds sometimes, right? He checked the flop. He called the turn. Now, of course, he can have other things, too. Um, clearly, he can have other things, too. But uh, I think Antonio probably bets 10s for value, I think. So we're trying to get called by, like, six combos, like, nine, ten suited. Actually, it's way fewer than six combos, like, four combos, like, nine, ten suited and eight, nine suited. Um... Ace nine suited. If Kate's opens that under the gun, he really might be. They're deep, a suited ace. Might be. I think. I think might it's be. reasonable at least that he would open ace nine suited. Um, a lot of players would. He's not playing less Maybe. hands than most people. I think he's probably opening ace nine suited. Um, he probably doesn't have many other nines, but maybe he could have a hand even as weak as nine, seven suited. That's only a few more combos anyway, but it's only three more combos, but maybe you can have that. I, I do want to challenge you. Like, I feel like okay. you get into things where you kind of believe yourself a little bit yeah, too much. Like I do. at a full ring, nine handed table. Do you really think most players are opening ace nine suited under the gun? No matter how deep you are. Um, yes. I think really, really good players absolutely are doing that. Yes. They're, they're opening okay. suited aces because they can win a monster pot once in a while. And it's a little harder to put him on that. I think I think a suited ace under the gun when you're deep is like for like a player like Dan Cates is like almost an automatic open. Um, okay, so it's possible I'm wrong about that. May I imagine there'll be people who will tell me I'm wrong if I am, um, but that is my belief. Yeah, I do think so. Okay. All right. Well, so do you think? I don't know. I feel like you're focusing a lot on the tens and jacks. Mm-hmm. Do you think this check is really geared towards getting value from those, or is it more geared toward getting value from a bluff? Well, of, of course it's that, too. Of course it's that, too. No question. Um, it's trying to get value from the diamonds or from a hand that Antonio thinks isn't, just isn't good enough, you know, because um, he had to call the turn. So if it isn't diamonds, yeah. it's a showdownable hand. I don't know. Does he ever have sevens here? Not very often. It's hard to come up with very no. many hands that are bluffs though, that aren't diamonds. Right. So I think ultimately this really is, it might be a little bit about the Jackson tens a little bit, but I think it's more about the aces and Kings because I think Cates is astute enough to put it all together and think that Antonio would often play aces and Kings like this. Mm. It seems like the best way to play those hands if you're Antonio, right? Um, yeah. Aces and Kings are weird because the concern is that Antonio's going to bet some amount that's smaller than what we would bet. They would have called our bet almost always. We have to believe and instead, if we, I assume we're going to go for a check raise, we're afraid that they're now they're going to find a fold and we actually get less value, right? That's a Well, concern. that is a fear, but, but it's going to be really hard to fold against a guy like Dan Cates when you underrepped your pocket aces or pocket kings on this board. I mean, it's an interesting thing. We're calling it underrepped, but is it really underrepping? Is it really fair to say it's an underrepped? Wouldn't like good players play aces and kings like this? This is how they'd mostly play them on this board. This is part of, it's part of the range, I think. I, I guess it depends on, on what your bets are on the flop. Um, what your bets are on the flop. What do you mean? Like what hands is Antonio oh. betting on the flop? Right, right, right. Um, I think if it's against like a guy in a $300 tournament and they check and they have aces, they're under or we check and we have aces, we're under our hand because they expect us to always bet our over pairs. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't think Kate's expecting Antonio to bet aces. So I don't see how Antonio's, Antonio's at the top of his range or near the top of his range, but I don't think he's necessarily under so to use a Jonathan Levy argument, if Antonio cool. is at the top of his range with aces, maybe sometimes he has quad queens or something sure. like that. But, but most, he's near the razor-thin top of his range here no with doubt. aces. Like, wouldn't you get mad if he folded to a check raise because he's so exploitable? Um, would I? <laughs> you mean just would Jonathan Levy get mad? Yeah. Um, I would strongly consider getting mad. Uh, I would definitely consider getting mad here. 
if that was the case. Now, and so that yeah, that means you think Antonio should call check raise with aces or kings. I'm not sure if he's actually at the top of his range. I'd have to go further into it to really think about that. Like, we didn't even talk about if Antonio would bet ace-queen here. On the flop, I mean. I don't know that he would. Maybe he's checking back so all his strong hands, he has to check back. Maybe he's check back everything on this board against Dan Cates here because that of the range That feels advantage. like too much. You got you to gotta bet something. Well, Antonio definitely has some queens he's checking back, right? Let's assume he only has ace-queen and he only three bets it every once in a while. I okay. think he can bet all of those. But then, okay, well, if that's true, then he absolutely has to call with the aces when he gets check raised on the river. He has to. Unless Dan Cates never has a bluff here. If he has, never has a bluff, we should fold and it doesn't matter, right? But because we can't beat By any way, value. Just, if, just assuming, to let you know, Jonathan, just to let you know where we are in the hand is Cates is checked. I'm just going to let you know where we are in the Right, hand. right. Okay. But, but like we're playing out the idea that Antonio bets and he gets check raised by Dan Cates, right? Yeah. So I'm saying yeah. um, if Cates is never bluffing in a spot like that, then we don't have to call even with the top of our range. I mean, the true, not the true top of our range, but the near top of our range, right? Like if we have queens, quad queens, obviously we're calling with the nuts. Um, but like a hand like aces where we, we're really just bluff catching and it happens to be the top of our range. I agree with you theoretically, but I, and I've made that same argument. You sure but have. Also, it's never, it's never a valid, valid argument against a top player in the world. Never. It's more so an argument um, potentially in, in one of the earlier 100Ks, um, earlier on in the 100K when you're deeper and Kate's is under the gun and you three bet. It's more so of an argument at least. Yeah, maybe. He's less likely to have bluffs here is what I'm saying. But that doesn't mean he has zero bluffs, but he's less likely to have a lot of bluffs here if he were to check raise. By the way, now that Dan Cates has checked, we know his plan is at least to check raise, right? He's not going to check call with yeah. the hand this strong. So. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So yeah, Antonio still has to bet, Ultimately, though. I mean, I, I guess we only looked at really one aspect of it so far, but we don't have to get into everything. But do you, do you like Cates' check versus betting? What do you think is a better plan? <sighs> I think it's really close. I, like, I guess I like it because we capture some value from some bluffs at least some of the time, you know? And if we bet, we lose all that value. And it's kind of like marginal if we're really going to get called by, by some hands. And the hands like aces and kings are going to bet if we check anyway. I think it's possible hands, hands as weak as jacks and tens are going to bet. But even if I'm wrong and jacks and tens are the check back, maybe I'm wrong about that. That's fair. Um, still, a lot of the, some of the value is going to bet anyway. And we're going to capture value from the bluffs. It's got to be more profitable to check raise, right? To go for the check raise than it, to bet. It has to be, considering that, Antonio, you would very much expect to play aces and kings this way, right? And he's definitely going to bet those hands, trying to get called by hands like jacks and tens. I don't think he's going to size it too much smaller, if smaller at all, than we would have bet ourselves if we bet, unless we wanted to bet like 30K or something, right? I mean, I think we would size it up probably because we're trying to okay. say we missed there's two missed flush draws jack 10 missed we have all that stuff more than antonio does probably and uh and like we're polarized here when we bet again when we bet twice right yeah well if antonio is at least gonna he's definitely gonna bet with aces and kings right yeah. we we're on the same he page has there to. he has to yeah he's at least going to consider calling a, a check raise so yeah i think that's true that probably is enough to make it a little bit more profitable to check his Kate's probably. I think so. Also the, the bluffs just matter. Like Antonio is going to have some bluffs here. He may yeah. even have bluffs. We're not thinking of, or not aware of by the way, cause he's Antonio and does right. some weird stuff once in a while. He might turn a nine into a bluff. Like, right. I mean, we, we block that and he doesn't really have that that much preflop to be fair. Maybe he has some weird King 10 suiteds that he checks back because he's always checking back that board. He calls the turn with the intention of sometimes trying to take it away on the river if we check, you know? Maybe he has stuff like that once yeah. in a while. I don't know. Like, it'd be great to capture some value from that. Well, it turns out he has aces, and he is going to bet after Kate's checks. 14K into 25,800. So, your Kate's obviously want to check raise. Yeah. How much do you think you can get? Well, how do you want to size it? <laughs> well, let's see. So Antonio, how much does Antonio have left? Let's start with that because we cover Antonio. So he's put in like 26K like or something. What'd you say? He's got like 78K, 78K or something like that. He hasn't put in that much, has he? No, he's got, oh, you're right. 14K more. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's got like 60-ish left. 63, after the bet. 65, something like that. Okay. Yeah. After the bet. After the bet. Right. So we could go for the whole thing. I don't know if we can actually... I, Antonio might make some hero folds when we, if we go for the whole thing here. Leaving him something is probably more effective. Probably gets more calls. They both look really strong, though. Maybe we should just go for the whole thing. 
Because like the difference between making it, what, 51K, which is a reasonable check rising size, I would say, or 70K or 65K is not that, it's not that, I guess, no, it's more than that. It'd be like 75K would, I guess, be the all in. That's a pretty big difference. Antonio it, still has 25 blinds. If yeah, he calls that's 51K. true. Antonio can really talk himself into a call if he isn't sure because he has 25 blinds and not have to like reach into his pocket for the 100K or borrow yeah. 100K or call his backers to make sure they want to put in another bit of money. He's traveled all this way to frickin' Johannesburg. It's possible he's going to make some tight laydowns, you know, if he's, yeah. if he's not sure if he has a, another bullet in him. Um, although he's already won the one drop. He probably has other bullets in him. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't feel I know the answer. What do you think a good sizing here is? I think I want to leave him with some. I think I want to, to your point of it being one of the earlier 100Ks, people valuing their tournament life maybe more than they should even. I think uh, I think leaving him some might just be worth it. Mm-hmm. Might be a little, just enough more likely to get called to make it worth missing out on the extra 20K or whatever it is. Yeah, that's not crazy. Uh, so, so, so you want to make it like fifty-five or something? Something, something like that. Yeah. And I think I'm I'm targeting aces and kings. Like I'm not expecting to get called by anything that's not those hands, mostly. Like right. I mean, well, Jackson tens. So. I think if they were betting for value, are not calling because they block a really obvious bluff. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that seems very unlikely they're going to call. Aces and kings, though, not so bad. You know, yeah. Especially if he doesn't well, have Kate's a diamond goes, in his hand or a spade. Woo wee! Well, he does have a spade, but Kate's but no. Kate's goes pretty big. Not not for the whole thing. It goes to sixty k. Yeah. All right. How do you deal with this if you're Antonio? Oh, it's so annoying. It just sucks. Yeah. That check raise. I mean, it doesn't feel like he's bluffing. Let me just start. By, now I know what the hands are, admittedly, but it yeah. doesn't feel like a bluff. I know Kate's likes to, does have bluffs in him and things like that, but this isn't the kind of bluff I feel like we see Kate's do very often, or very many players even. A river check raise bluff that for, in a three bet pot, just not a hand, it's not a play you see all that often, right? Like you'll see like yeah. barreling for sure. Kate's loves to barrel. If, Kate, if Kate's had gone, you know, bet, bet, I would feel, even if he size it up on the river, we obviously have an easy call. Even if he bets like some insane, there's what, 26K in, in, in the pot. If he bets 35K on the river, we just have to call with aces, not think anything of it, I think. Like, yeah, yeah, he doesn't have to have it. This feels like he has, a, he has it a lot more. But as we said earlier, we are basically at the top of our range here. Okay, we have some queens probably some, once in a while. I, I think we still do. You think we maybe don't have any. I think we probably have a few. Um, but we don't have that many. We certainly don't have quad queens very often. We can only have one combo of that anyway. Like, there's just not that much here for us to have, right? Like, that's better than pocket aces, for crying out loud. Yeah. Uh, I guess the bluffs are not really combinatorially based when you're trying to assign bluffs to Kate's because you wouldn't really care about blocking nines full if you were Kate's that much. You wouldn't expect Antonio to have nines full too often based on the pre-flop three bet, right? So... I, don't know. I guess maybe that helps a little bit if you want to have a bluff with like nine ten suited and eight nine suited and stuff like yeah, that. Maybe maybe a maybe little a bit. little bit maybe a little bit. Other, but I think maybe maybe if Kate's is bluffing, it's more based on like a clear range advantage where she's like, well, I have yeah. like queen ten suited plus, and you don't have a lot of those hands, so deal with it, Antonio. How are you going to deal with it? Like, you really want to call me? So yeah. that's that's what you would have to be putting him on is just like that thought process if you decide to to call with a bluff catcher here, right? Yeah. I mean, Antonio just doesn't have that many monsters is truth. Even, even a hand like quad Queens, he really might see bet that a fair amount of the time because, you know, he's trying to build a pot and like, it's not that believable that he has, he doesn't have that many Queens. He knows it. And Kate's knows that yeah. too. And it's not the worst time to like put in some money when you've got a monster and Kate's thinks he has a range advantage, like, or has a range advantage even like, so I just, Antonio just doesn't have very many monsters, Right. No, he does not. So that, and, that is a reason to like think he has, Kate's could have more bluffs, at least. But it does is, he? And ultimately, in spots like this against players like this, when like there's so many factors at play and you can level yourself to infinity, you have to rely on distribution, right? Yeah. And having the ace of spades is not good. That's bad for our distribution as Antonio. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that we can maybe convince ourselves to fold with. But... Beyond that, hand rank wise, we may literally have the best hand we ever show up with. It's possible. It's possible. But um, does the spade matter a lot? Maybe the it spade matters, matters some. a lot. 
but we don't have a diamond. Like, if there was only one flush draw on the turn, having the spade would matter a lot more, I think. The fact that we, ha- we don't have a diamond and that's a second flush draw and that's when Kate started betting. Admittedly, we wouldn't have expected him to bet the flop either way. Means like, he really feels like he can have diamonds sometimes, maybe. Maybe, maybe, you know? I mean, this is a pretty above-the-rim play and we don't, like I'm saying, it's not like we see that many players making this play, like, kind of ever, you know? The check yeah. raise river bluff play, you know. I mean, I'm sure Stephen Chidwick does that sometimes. We've seen him do it. If he's got blockers, Stephen Chidwick's going to do it. And if Brent Kenny has blockers, he's going to do it too. I don't know if if Cates was doing this. This is this is a real concern I have. Is does he really have bluffs here? Also, this is not a board uh, based on their their actions so far, in which Cates can really have blockers. It's not really a blocker situation. Right. Right. I mean, I guess, yeah, you're right, because Cates would never need to turn a queen into a bluff anyway, and there isn't really any... I guess he could have, like, an ace and a king. He could have ace-king and be like, well, I block aces and kings, so you're not going to call my check raise as much on the river. That's about it. Yeah. And that'd be a surprising play and not one we really see players ever do right now. No. So... So do you think you have to, just because it's Cates, rely on distribution and just make the call, or does the spade knock you down enough that that's not the case? It knocks us down a little. I don't know if it knocks us down enough. It probably doesn't knock us down enough. It just sucks when a hand as good as aces is still just bluff catching. We beat no value at all, and we don't think he has very many bluffs. But if, but if we play all our queens faster than this, or most of our queens faster than this, and maybe we don't have very many queens, maybe we're just not three-betting ace-queen against the under-the-gun when we're this deep anyway. So it's like pocket queens or nothing. We have one combo. It's possible we literally have one combo. Yeah. Um, and that means then... Ace, ace of spades, ace of hearts is not our second best combo, right? Our, our second best combo is the two aces that don't have a spade or a diamond in them. But then this yeah. is like tied for our third best combo, ace of spades, ace of hearts, which means then we just yeah. have to call if we're playing up against these game theory solver type dudes who are going to make plays at us once in a while, right? We just have to. Otherwise, we're going to get destroyed by them. Right. Whereas, of course, we know we're not like just to be clear, we know we're not beating any value. Cates isn't doing this with kings. No way. No way is he doing this with the Kings. And we know that, yeah. And um, this is one of those things where, you know, the old guy makes his check raise. I think we can fold so easily. We're like, is it ace-queen or is it pocket nines, old guy? (laughs) Which one? You know, um, but against against Cates, you probably just have to call. Against against someone like Brent Kenny, I would call so lightning. I mean, I may not actually call lightning fast to to not discourage him from bluffing me in the future, but internally <laughs> yeah. I would have I would have called as soon as I see I would have been rooting for the raise and have called before the chips go in. You know what I mean? And I would like slowly pretend to agonize and put the chips in. And Chidwick yeah. the same way. I would just I would just always call those guys and not think anything of it with this hand. But probably you have to do that with Kate's too. Probably against all the wizards, you just have to do it. But like Lucky Chewy, is Lucky Chewy ever really bluffing in this spot? I don't know if he is. I don't know. Weird random like blast from the four years ago. I just don't think of him as, the, <laughs> as like, I thought of him as being like really good at executing things and really like technically sound and not necessarily like full of whack bluffs, you know, full of like big, wacky, big pot bluffs or anything like that. So he's like a good guy. I don't know that. enough about I don't know enough. About I don't, anyway, I mean, Antonio does ult- yeah. ultimately make the call, yeah. which can't fault him for. Goes out pretty soon after that, as yeah. of course he only has like 15K left. So you know what, you know what I'm going to ask you? What if Antonio moved in for 15K more? Is it profitable to call if you're Cates? <laughs> um, first of all, it's got to be a call because what is, does Antonio ever have ace-queen? and want to make sure he captures the full value when there's only 15K left and he knows he's rebuying anyway. No, no. There's no chance Antonio is putting an extra 15K in with ace-queen. Does Antonio ever have pocket threes or pocket uh, deuces here and no. make this play? Really? No. The only thing he's losing to is pocket nines if he's got pocket threes. And he's, maybe maybe yeah. quad queens. I mean, so you're saying if you were Casey, you would call with the queen if Antonio moved in for 15K more? Uh, if I had ace queen, I'd at least have to consider it for 15 K more. I think you never really actually assess these situations and just dismiss them. Like I know it's only 15 K more and probably you're right, but like, I think it's fair to think like, could it possibly be more profitable to fold? I mean, it's never profitable to fold, but the, right. the better play to fold if Antonio moved in for 15 K more. I mean, 
it's possible you're right uh, that we can't ever actually have any value happening here. Um, but uh, I don't think Kate's is folding pocket threes. I guess is what I'm getting at. I don't think it practically he's actually folding pocket threes. I think he doesn't love it. I think he calls. I think he knows I, he's I losing agree with sometimes. That, but let's, let's say yeah. you're Jonathan Levy and yeah. you're in Antonio's seat. And right. Kate's raises you to 60K and you have hmm. ace queen. There's a 0% chance you're putting in the last 15K, right? I mean, it's hard to imagine I'm ever good. It is really, really, really hard to imagine. It's also hard to imagine folding a hand this strong for getting this price, you know, for this little more. These are my favorite questions. I know. Because it's like, here's the thing. It feels impossible. Sooner or later, this is going to be a bluff, right? This is eventually going to be a bluff. We've actually seen it happen like once or twice in little ways so far. We've seen, we've seen um, Andrew Robles sort of did it against Matt Kirk in that cash game spot yeah. where they had king high against queen high, and he moved in on the turn for very little more as a bluff. Amazing. Incredible. And then we saw um, Chris Kladnicki. Yes, Kladnicki did it sort of once too, right? Uh, it, it turned out Kladnicki was actually ahead. He was but he was like doing it as a bluff ender. is the point, right? The point is that right. it was... But also, it, yeah. it has to be a particular runout in situation, and this is not that runout or situation. Like, Cates absolutely does have quad queens in his range. Yeah, he does. So you're, you're... Yeah, you're trying to ask me what should he do, not what would he do, right? Yeah. If you were Cates with nines full and Antonio moved in for 15K <laughs> more, is it a better play to fold <laughs> than to call? I can't really get myself. I know the math in your brain is to is fold hurting that you too much to let, Even to though let you do it. I acknowledge that it's probably a better play to fold. I don't think I could actually talk myself into a fold. I don't believe I could do it with a hand that strong for that little price. I don't You'd have to I be could. at the level where you guys had been through that situation before and Antonio had a queen and decided it had to turn into a bluff because he knows Kate's can't have quad queens. Like that's what level you have to be at mm. in order to call and think that you're going to win sometimes. Gosh, that would be something. But the problem is Antonio can just call the raise when he has got a queen. Yeah. And like, rather than try to make this super fancy, God, please fold nines full play, you know, for 15 K more, which you sh- yeah. you're supposed to do. But does anyone really have that gear in them? Not many people have that gear in them. Right. Um, you know, when, when the players are always like, I wish I was good enough to fold this. You know, but usually yeah. they mean like aces on like a nine, seven, three board and they just got check raised all in by someone. You know what I mean? Or something like yeah. that. They don't mean it's 15K more into a pot of like 130,000 <laughs> closing the action on the river, you know, um, with a monster, a much bigger hand than ace and an overpair or something like that. Um, I am grateful that I feel like these, these things come up so rarely in real life. I'm just grateful for that. Like, when is the last time I've been in a spot? I don't know if I've ever been in a spot like you're describing. Maybe I haven't. I just don't realize it because I thought it was such an obvious call. I didn't think anything of it and just put the chips in and lost. But I don't All remember right. if ever. You, yeah. If you're next time you play the main event, you're in this situation and you're Kate's and you do this check raise against Johnny Chan and the master moves all in for oh, 15K God. more. Oh, my God. You find in a call or a fold? Wow. If Johnny Chan moves in, that's a really good one. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna Vanessa Selps the hell out of that and stand up and talk about it for a long time before I still don't know what to do and <laughs> still don't know what to do. Um, I feel like I would end up looking at the size of the pot and being like, "Do I just have to call and try and t- I'd be trying to talk myself into a call, but I don't know if I could do it if it's Johnny Chan because I know yeah, he's not bluffing." No, and he's not an idiot either. He's not bluffing, and he's not an idiot. So he never like, he never has threes full, right? He never has ace queen. He probably never has trace full, which means it's always quad queens. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> man, 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 man. That's awesome. Yeah, Johnny Chan. Boy, if Johnny Chan knew, he should know his reputation. But if he really understood his reputation, he could just, chop, for a little while, he could chop the hell out of all these, like, old school players who think they know how to play him perfectly, you know? 
Yeah, I guess he, he probably could. Although we we saw him on a live with the bike appearance maybe a year ago or so, where we saw a hand that was suggested to us, and he was like opening seven four off under the gun. So mm. it's possible he is kind of a maniac at lower stakes. But once it gets right. real for him, or it's a World Series event where he really cares about the prestige, he's going to be super tight. Maybe but we see. That, I think he is a bit of a maniac when he's playing like five ten or whatever. I mean, I will say I do remember. Um, this is not exactly the same, but when they were, um, I think they were at the final table of the six-handed World Series event. This is like in two thousand and seven or something like that. Um, and he, an event, he ended up winning, and he had queens, and he ended up like calling like a six-bet all-in with queens or something like that. I don't really remember, but he turns over queens. He's up against aces. He ends up winning the hand, and he uh, he was explaining to the table as he's like, "You think I'm f- I'm never folding queens six-handed?" And it's like. Even at a World Series final table, Johnny Chan not folding queen six-handed. Like, okay, mm. good to know. Like, so this is, so there's very maybe maybe he's not as tight as we think. Maybe it's just particular situations that maybe. we've seen him maybe. in. Like, we see f- that one with Phil Locke. Was that a cash game or was that uh, a tournament? Do you remember? Yeah, that was high stakes poker. But was it, but it wasn't cash. Oh, high stakes poker. Okay, it wasn't yeah. poker after dark. Okay, um, I thought it was poker after dark. Maybe if you're thinking of a different one. If it's, well, the one where Phil has sevens full and folds to Johnny's, like... Yeah, that's high-stakes poker. Okay. Johnny has, like, king-queen or something like that. And, uh, he has ace-jack, and he makes a bigger full okay. house. To, right, right. He goes yeah. running, like, jack-ace or something yeah. like that. Um, okay, so that's cash. So maybe Phil knows, like, when it's, when it's like, $30,000, Johnny's never bluffing in that spot. But, like, tournament, yeah. maybe tournaments are different, you know, and maybe they maybe. understand the nuances of Johnny's psychology around that stuff as there are many people have that kind of stuff, you know, where you'll bluff on certain, in certain spots, lower stakes, what, what, what you have decided are lower stakes, but other things like early in the main event, maybe you're a maniac. I don't know. Still three betting all in on the river is almost never a maniac play. So we started this podcast talking about <laughs> wild West saloon and a screenplay and we're ending yeah. it with nine minutes on Johnny Chan. I mean, it's been, we've really like traversed the universe in this one. And I I feel like um, one thing that's been lost in it is Beats by Johnny. Jonathan'sBeats.com. Where I lay down a funky beat at a a funky price. (laughs) And (laughs) deliver it to you in two days or less. Is there, isn't there like a .gov address you can go to also if you want like the uh, government price? Yeah, yeah. You also get like a you get like a government beat. It's a little bit less funky. It's less funky. It costs a little bit more, but it does the job in a workmanlike fashion. You know, and that's what everyone's looking for. It's backed. It's backed by the FDIC, (laughs) so you're safe. (laughs) Also, there's of course JonathanSpeeds.biz, JonathanSpeeds.co, JonathanSpeeds.nudes. All of them, and all of them have their own special flavor. Especially that last one.